Welcome to the Enlighten Up Podcast. I am your host, Nicole Frolic, and I invite you to cozy up with me each week as I explore all aspects of the spiritual journey, spiritual biohacking, and expanding the mind beyond this reality. Remember that the collective awakening can start by planting one seed. So thanks for being such an amazing audience and sharing these shows with your family and friends. So without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and find out what we're discovering today. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Enlighten Up podcast. So happy to have you guys here. And I'm so happy to be having a returning guest, uh, Tony Rodriguez. And it's so great to have you back on the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, it's, it's a weekday thing for me. So it's um, kind of cool. And uh, yeah, time, uh, things have been good. It's been really busy for me in life. So it's good to be back. Good to see you. You look great. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So do you. And we're going to get into that beautiful um, artist rendition behind you. Uh, but sure. for all of those of you who are new to Tony, maybe you haven't um, seen him or heard of him before. He is a whistleblower of the Secret Space Program, and he's got really authentic and genuine um, memory recall. His his recounts of things that have happened are very much um, they just for me personally, Tony, I just feel like they have a very strong I resonate a lot with it. There's a lot of truth that comes through. And it looks like the stream is going really well. Those of you in the live chat, um, can you just let me know? I think I fixed the video lag, which I'm really happy about. And um, so, Tony, you were last on the show about a year ago, and we had to put, uh, we talked so long, we had to do two shows. And for those of you who want to go back and listen to those, because we're not going to go into all that information on this show, that was episode 123 and episode 124, okay? In, in Apple, Spotify, you can find it there. Um, now, we got some new memories we're going to talk about today and some new stories you haven't told before. Right. Well, you know, the memories were kind of there, but then I never needed to worry about them until I started getting to writing the book or farther into the book. So other things and then other stuff you and I talked about the other day, we we talked briefly and we covered things that just never get covered. And, you know, everybody wants to hear about how the spaceship works or do you get what I'm saying? Everybody wants to know, like, what ETs are like. They don't really want to get into a lot of my experience of what I went through. And sometimes I just cut it short because I know it's such a long story that I don't even bother. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, for those of you who are new, Tony is um, has done a 20 and back. Or is, have you done two 20 and backs or is it one? Just one. Just, just one 20-year tour. Okay. I was, I was taken at 10 years old and went through black projects. I did about six, six or seven years on Earth under black programs, privately owned. And... Um, then sold off into the space program, into the secret space program, which has an infrastructure of colonies throughout our solar system. And I eventually ended up on a series series colony, which is a small planetoid in between Mars and the asteroid belt. Mm -hmm. And they were breakaway Germans. They were Germans that worked, went there after World War II. And they had a uh, interstellar trade society, tra interstellar trading society. And we, I worked on a couple ships and ended up my highest rank was a cargo engineer at basically as a slave and did interstellar missions. We went to other uh, systems in our galaxy and we went to other star systems and we went to, in fact, to other galaxies at certain times. Yeah, you, you've got, well, you're also writing your book right now, which is also, is that, that's helping with your memory recall, isn't it? It is. And what that has done is, you know, most of the 
I, well, 99.9% of every time I've ever talked about this information has been in this format uh, where people ask me questions and I answer, which I really enjoy, but people tend to ask the same things and the answers turn into the same things. Like I have, a, you know, it's hard to get into new things. People ask me, so then what, you know, then what happened? And they don't ask me, so did you have any friends or, you know, who, who took care of you there? So the, a lot of those relationships, I've never, I just kind of skipped over it and I never had to remember them a lot. And into the book, as I get into the book, I start going, wait a minute, you know, I spent a lot of time over there. You know, like it, I was in Peru at a time and I spent a lot of time, you know, with this, these people and we, you know, we will go certain places for Sunday dinner. And those were things that I just, those are memories that I didn't have to entertain before. And when I got into the book writing, I, I had to entertain them because I wanted it to be accurate. And it really was eye-opening because I began to remember, and I still am. I'm like getting into the later chapters in the series colony now, mm -hmm. and I'm still remembering relationships I had with people, just friends, or the lack thereof. I went for a long time without any friends in that time, during that time, and that was uh, that was I think worse than anything else I went through. Is like I was deeply lonely for for a very long time up there. Yeah, that's a very. I mean, from the human perspective, that's an extremely um traumatic experience you know to to feel that amount of loneliness we're very social beings and a lot of of what we're able to do comes from the support system of having friends and family um, around us what i found was that when they put me back so and then so if people aren't familiar with the 20-year tour they take you and then through an age regression process and actually when you lose people here you lose people here actual time travel they put me back the same night I was taken. I was only gone for 30 minutes out of my bed. So people go, what were your parents while you were gone this 20, these 20 years? What did your parents do? They did nothing. I woke up the next day and went to school and carried on about my life. But I was different. I changed. I had I had a different uh, spin on my personality because the way I experienced was, you know, I was going through my life. I was 10 years old, then taken. Then I lived 20 years and then I was put back. That's how the experience felt. Mm -hmm. So when I went back, I was 10 years old, but I had adult things, going, mechanisms going on inside me. I had adult thinking and uh, to boot, I was badly damaged. It was kind of like growing up as a child in an orphanage and then going on into the military. Uh, like that was my uh, emotional background and all of yeah. a sudden overnight. And then so into my life, as I had a normal life here, it I had problems because I uh, and I didn't know why. I didn't understand why until it was about... Uh, April, the end of April, early May of 2015, I had an MRI done and I had come across some other info about the secret space program and how quantum uh, quantum time dilation works, that they were actually doing this. And it explained the time, the time that I was gone. I always remembered the time and it didn't make any sense of when, when was I in a spaceship? And once I did that, I internalized it and all the memories just came flooding back and it was, um, they still are. I mean, they're, they're still coming. Well, let's go back to that time just before you were brought back into your body as a 10-year-old as a again, when you were on the ship. And of course, you. this is how we ended the last episode uh, where, you know, you, you saw that they were using timeline. Um, they had timeline manipulation technology. Uh, and this is where you were telling them you were going to remember and, and you were 
told to stop because I guess they were trying to you know, tell you, you're not going to remember, you're not going to remember. And you were just adamant, like, I'm going to remember. And you were actually affecting the timeline probability to be very high that you would recall. And the person watching this timeline manipulation technology was telling them to quit it because you they were making that stronger for you. Yes. So this was into the process. So there were, I'm really looking forward to explaining this whole process chronologically in the book, because it's very, I find that when I explain it, people get confused because I was on series. They know they have. There are laws that they that they abide by, and one of the laws is that it's twenty year increments. At least the version of technology that they used on me. They had to put me back at twenty years, regardless of what where I was. It, it's a law that they obey, and um, so they put me on a disc and flew me back to the moon, and began the process of you know age regression. However, they did it, and then eventually. Uh, putting me back into my 10 year old body, my consciousness. However, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Like if you have kidney surgery, you don't know how they, what they did to your kidney. You don't know how to perform kidney surgery. You just had the surgery. That's kind of my knowledge of, of the process. Um, when they put me back, they started, it went back um, and they had a, a, a device known as a chronovisor. And what a chronovisor did was look at probable futures. So I'm imagining at that time that I was already put back into 1982 and um, they were going, and this is on a moon base and they were going into probable futures to double check because I was rebellious the entire time. And I, I kept saying, I'm going to remember this. I'm not going to forget. And they put me through stations before they put me back into the 10 year old body that were like a, like hypnosis, like a, like a booth, like an arcade game that you sit inside. That was hypnosis. And they they program things away like certain things took like they the, the one one thing just strictly made you forget names, and then you'd go to the next day they take you out of that put you in the next one and it strictly made you forget faces, and they slowly chipped away by hypnosis by whatever technology they chipped away at your memories. But the whole time I kept saying you guys so what so I don't have to remember their face I'm still going to remember you, your ugly mug you know like I was I was combatant during that process I didn't want to go back, and. Uh, when he saw there was a chronovisor and he was looking at probable futures and every one of them, the, the number wasn't satisfactory that they were going to uh, erase my memory. It kept coming up. And um, so they now when that, to, yeah, now when that happens, you're supposed to get a lobotomy. So what happened was they, so it was, it, it was the, the layout of the place was like kind of like a hospital, like an upper level of a hospital. There were halls, hallways, and it was kind of that, vibe of construction you know like it was just like being in a hospital but they were ets they were uh grays and whites and reptiles that were there and um he said look you guys knock it off they were they were picking on me they were said do you remember anything and at that point i'd woke up and i had my memories back of my mom and dad and i was back to myself my 10 year old self like i didn't have memory of the 20 and back but i could you know and he they said so do you remember what happened and I said, well, you guys just took me out of my bed. And they all started laughing. They laughed. And it made me angry. It made me livid. I said, I'm going to remember this. I didn't know what they were laughing about, really. I said, I'm going to remember this. And, um, and I said, in Jesus' name, because my mom had taught me that. I said this in other interviews, but my mom had taught me that like a week before, that if you ask for anything, if you ask Jesus for something, she's a very religious lady and uh very good person, my mom. And she taught me that she was teaching me religion. I was 10 years old at the time. So she taught me that. And I did that. And it affected the chronovisor. The guy watching the chronovisor actually was like, guys, knock it off. 
we're all going to get in trouble for this. He was, it was okay, but now he's going to remember. And they had to put me through another round. They, they took me to another wing of the hospital where they were and put me through a round of tra trauma-based mind control. Like, tra like they shocked me and they were showing me, you know, uh, videos. It was really weird, like the situation, but then they finally concluded, I'm going to re remember. They said, it's not, take him to get a lobotomy. And that they they had there was a reptile that escorted me and he said look if this one doesn't work they're going to lobotomize you and you're going to be crippled for the rest of your life you're going to go back and, and you're going to not have be able to think right they're going to give you a surgery and you're going to wake up in your bed tomorrow morning and be crippled be mentally uh handicapped so just go with it whatever they try to do with you and then so they put me through that and again it didn't work so they were like he's good just take him he's going to go to surgery then He's going to get the surgery. And then he was bummed about it. I got to say that the, the reptilian, he was a short reptilian. He was, he was visibly upset. He liked me. We, we had joked around. I had spent the day with him basically. And, and, you know, he was the security he was short and very, very strong. And he was my security guy that took me around from, from my chaperone. And we got along. We, we cracked jokes and stuff and he was visibly upset that he had to take me there. But we walked down the hall, just like in a hospital, and we walked down to another wing of it. And when we got to the window, there was a gray there and a very more like the robotic kind of, of grays. And he said, he turned me in. He said, what's his number? And he told him my number. He had a, there was a number he gave. And he said, well, here's no record of him. So just if it doesn't matter if he does remember, because there's no record, he can say it doesn't even matter if he remembers because he's not in the system. There's no record of him. Which is huge. Now, Which this is huge. huge. Now, you've never talked. We've never you've never been able to discuss how that came to be and why that happened. So um, this is where some of the new stuff is going to come in. And I was so excited to hear your story because it's really cool. It's pretty so, personal. Yeah. I, I was yeah. saving it for the book all along, but it's turning pertinent. And, you know, um, where the times are flying. We're going to get disclosure here and it's turning pertinent. So it's a kind of a long, it's a personal story, but, um, back, what back on series, you know, in my last year, about a year before I left, but you know, my, la my 19th year, um, I was going regular. So I, I got to the, I, I was a slave technically and was promoted to the point where I had a small amount of money that I got paid every week. And I had access to the travel system, to the train system. It's a couple bucks for a day pass, four bucks or something. And I could ride around series. This is the artist rendition of some of the series capes behind me. And sorry, I got white in my hair and it kind of chops me <laughs> off, but we're in my garage and it's actually better to look at that, you know, than uh, the mess I got going on here. Uh, but I would drive and I eventually had a relationship i would go and i ended up in the red light district once because they pulled a joke on me and told me to go there i had no idea what it was and i, I was able to go and be a placeholder in one of the establishments there and i would spend my days there i didn't have money to buy anything i would go there and drink lemon water and um just sit what's a table. placeholder what's a placeholder well what happened was one of the girls so it was a like a strip club but it was a strip club with the ability to purchase a girl to as a in a brothel you know, as a prostitution, it was like a red light district. But there were girls that would dance, and they would go around and hang out with everybody. It was a bar, and then you could purchase them if you had enough money. You could take them. There was and you could 
uh, there was prostitution going on there. So what happened was one of the girls, there was the owner was a nine foot tall ET. All the managers of the shops in that area and for most of the places, I think most of the series, that when the Germans showed up, they had they had authority over him. But he, they were all the managers. They were like nine feet tall. He had hair, really weird beady eyes, and kind of like an odd shape, like an egg shape. But and then they stayed. They had the they had low gravity wherever they wherever they were. But there was a one of there was one booth in the whole place. So he stayed in his cubicle. He had like an office, like a desk, and it had low gravity. So he stayed there. He didn't want to leave there. And there was one table that he couldn't see from where he was. He could see like part of the table. And I guess prior to me coming there, a girl had been assaulted in that table and got hurt really bad. She got something bad, very bad happened to her. And so he told me I could stay and sit in that table until the place filled up. So that way nobody would sit there. I was a placeholder for that table. That's what that was. And he, uh, the, okay. I had been assaulted outside the place. And that's how I got in there. And one of the girls saw me get beat up and brought me in and they helped me get back to my base. And so I didn't get in trouble. And, and when I went back, I had borrowed money. When I went back, I paid him back. He thought I'd never pay him back. He gave me money for a train ride. And I came back and paid him back. And the girls asked, you know, if I could come and just sit there and, and because I was a slave as they were. So I kind of got along with them. I eventually formed a relationship with one of them and uh, I loved her very much. And were these, were these, other people from earth or like yes. women from earth okay yes. were they only they, women from earth or were there other yes okay yep there weren't there were not et women that were being used for that purpose there they were they were uh humans okay. and they were taken from earth they were in the same situation they didn't remember their life but they had been taken from earth and they were on a 20-year tour everybody knew how kind of how long they had been taken and they everybody kind of like the day you were returning was kind of like a like a big deal like a birthday, like we would celebrate a birthday. It was kind of like your day that you go back, you know, that whole couple of weeks. Some people celebrated it for a couple of weeks okay. and everybody would do their work for them. You know, everybody would, your, your load would lighten up in your last week or so. And, uh, but they knew, they were aware of how long they were in there. And uh, so during that time, my girlfriend, I, and this is, this is stuff I don't talk about. I don't really, you know what I mean? Like this is personal. I mean, but during that time, my girlfriend and I really, we loved each other and we were very uh, sexually attracted and I did, we couldn't be together. He wouldn't let, it. he was the manager. He said, no, don't even touch it. You can sit next to him. You know what I mean? Like we tried, we kissed and stuff, but we really couldn't be together. And so we, I was, we had worked it out. We knew the, how long I was going to stay. We knew I had a year to go and how much money and I could come and I could visit three to four times a week and save the rest of the money. And I was going to pay for her right in my last week or so mm -hmm. to go to, you know what I'm saying? We were going to have sex and then I was going to go home. And so, and she was going to stay, she was only in like seven years. I was okay. in 19 years already and she was in like seven years. So she stayed another 13 years after I left doing whatever God knows where she ended up. Um, but one day, so the, also uh, the ship did profit, like a profit sharing between the officers. And when the ship was had, there was a there was a money system on missions of the ship, trade missions that the ship did, and there would be bonuses. And one day I got like a forty dollar bonus. And when I would travel from the from the hangar to the trains, you know what I mean. There were several different ways, but one way was kind of more scenic, and we it was a longer walk. When I would go that way. 
there were shops that would, there was a shop area that was a, re a rental space there for shop that would kept changing. One day it was a restaurant, next day it was like a store and then it closed and it would be for, you know what I mean? Empty. And they had set up and there was uh, commercials playing on the wall outside of it. And what I had seen was that it was a psychic reading thing. And on series in that society, it kind of had the same stigma that psychic readings have here today where, you know, half the people are like, don't even do that. They was this, you know what I mean? It's not real. Don't do that. And other people paid for it. But I looked and it was, it was about 40 bucks on, you know, the same amount of money that I had gotten in a bonus. So it didn't affect my schedule with her, okay. how I, you get what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, I thought, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and the technique that they did, they were given, they were, they were hybrid. Like they looked like great human little girls. Um, you know, like little 10, 10 or 12 year old girls is in the commercial. It was a commercial and they showed them laying on the table, giving rate readings, but they were not humans. They were like, they had, they were, they had hair and they looked more like a great. And that was the commercial it showed, but it showed an IV bag. And that's what I did in my first year. My first couple of years was intuitive work in Peru and they would put it, give us an IV. I, you know, that's in our, I think we covered that in our other. Yes. Yes. In the first episode we did on 123. How that all went. So that's how I knew it was real. And I looked at that and I went, whoa, this is real. This is exactly what they used to do to me. And it was the same technique that like they were drugging these, these girls. And it was borderline, like even for series colony, even for that kind of uh, culture, it was borderline illegal. Like it was okay. very frowned upon and he got shut down and kicked out of there. They were only there for a couple, like a week. And then they shut them They shut that down. So, so you managed I, to get there before they got shut down. I walked in. I walked by it one day and then I got paid the extra money. And then the third time I went by it, I said, I got to do this. You know, I went home. What it was is I went home and I laid in bed all night long and kept thinking about it. And I was like, I want to know what it's like to be on. I've got to see what it's like to be on the other side. And then I thought about it. It was kind of a sign that the money was the same. That money, that money kind of randomly came into my life and it was the same price, basically. And uh, I wanted to know. There was a synchronicity. Exactly. Yeah. There was. And I wanted to know what it was like to be the person not under. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I was in my early years, you know, 10 until like thir almost 13, 10, 11, 12. I, that's what I was doing. That was the program I was in. I was in an intuitive, like a remote viewing channeling program. Who knows what it, what it was, but they would drug me. I'd go under. And when I woke up, people had a blown away look on their face. They were like, couldn't believe it. So they couldn't believe the things I would say. So I wanted to know what that was like. I went in there and it was just kind of, it was a disgusting experience. I'm put it bluntly that when I went in there, I was disgusted. And it was another one of those tall ETs, the same kind that ran the, ran the, uh, the brothel, the same kind that ran crumbs. It was the same species and he was in charge. And there were, they just set up like, uh, like cots with with uh, draw with draw curtains. You know how curtains are in a hospital. How they draw yeah. the curtain. It was like that, and they were, but they were lower. Like it was really cheesy. It wasn't fancy at all. And he said, "There you go. You got you got thirty minutes or something." It wasn't even that long. It was fifteen minutes or something. And they went in. And he said, "Go ask. You can ask whatever questions you want. You got fifteen minutes." And I sat down and I said. Uh, Man, I've never even thought about this yet. What my first question was, I asked her, I said, uh, what's going to happen? Where do I go back to? I think that's what I said was, where do I go back to? Where am I going to go to? 
And she gave me this like spacey, ambiguous uh, uh, answer. And uh, the guy also in the beginning, he said, you can ask questions to try to tr try to test them. He said, ask a question, you know, that you know the answer to already and try to test it and see what, if she knows it or not. He said, you can ask a few like that, but then, then, and then get in the harder ones. And I asked her, I said, where am I going right now? And he, she said, you're going to see your, your three loves because there were three girls that always worked there. And she said, they're your love. They're your, your love. You're going to see them and they're, you're going to know one of them when you get back, when you return. And she said something else. And I was like, whoa, you know what I mean? Because I knew there were three girls there. So there was another kind of synchronicity. And she said, you're going to know the one. She said, and you're the one that remembers. You're going to remember all of it. When you, when you go back, you're going to remember all of it. And that's where I got the idea. So from that time, from Ceres to all the way to the moon, that's why I knew I was going to remember. She okay. told me that. She told me I was going to remember when you go back and it's all over with your tour is over. When you go back to earth, you're going to remember you're the one that remembers. That's what she said. You're the one that remembers. And so I was, that's where I got the, that's where I got the idea of it. I always thought I always just, they tell you, you're, they're going to erase your memory. You're going to go back. You're going to erase your memory and just live your life. They tell you, you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm, like that's mm -hmm. what you are. That's what's going to happen. And she told me that. And I started saying it, wow, I'm going to remember. And then, so I went, to crumbs and i told them i sat down with the girls a couple girls there that were friends and then my girlfriend i in the book her name's marie okay and um i told them and she was livid she was absolutely livid she was she didn't want to talk to me she said well i've got things to do she was mad that i spent blew the money she uh, said you should have saved that money that would have been that much faster you could have got more money we could have had we could have had two times she said she said you don't know if you could have made extra money and we could have done it twice and so that was stupid. You know, she was just like, you were, she, she was just so mad at me for that. And then she said, well, I <laughs> got to make some rounds. Sounds like a typical woman. <laughs> yeah. And she said, she said, I got to make some rounds and I don't even want to see you. Don't even come back here tonight. Or, you know what I mean? Like she didn't want to talk. She didn't. And she did it. She came by and like, she came by, she walked close to me the rest of the later that night, but then she basically ignored me. And I did, I stayed away for a couple of days before I went back and then, you know what I mean? Like we've kind of made up over it, but, okay. and I explained it and it, well, and then, you know, like a week later, she, I finally got to explain to her why I did it and how, you know what I'm saying? And she still was like, you're stupid. You're an idiot. <laughs> she never approved of it. Not once. And, um, but that gave me that ability what, during the end, during the return, during that, that time that gave me the ability to fight it. So, at this time, I was a cargo engineer. So mm -hmm. this was in the in the end of my career. And I was a cargo engineer, and I was sitting in on the mission briefings in the morning. So there was a, in the front of the ship, but where all the flight crew was, they had a room with a long, it was, it was all pure, it was white. There was no TV on the wall or anything. There was a little uh, food, like a, like a little, like they had, they had coffee and tea and muffins and stuff. Like they had little, what is that called? You know, just a little oh, pantry. Oh, yeah, like a coffee station or something. They had a little pantry, and then it was a long table, and we would sit down, and they had, like, iPads that they did their their meeting with, and they spoke in German, and they could flick a switch, and I could understand them. So when they needed to talk to me for something in my cargo bay, they would flick a switch, and I could understand them. Mm. And they'd say, how, many, how much space is left? But they would always say, like, what did you guys do over the weekend, or what did you do? Like, like the, tell me what you guys did. They would turn on the thing. And I told them 
that I went to a psychic. And of course, they, you know what I'm saying? Like they always picked three or four of the guys always picked on me. But the captain had me stay after the meeting. He said, uh, you know, Garus did stay. You'll stay here a minute. And everybody got excused from the meeting. And I said, you know, I don't want to be late for my to report. Mine. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And he asked me about the psychic. And I, I, he said, what did it? What did they tell you? Like he wanted to know, like legitimately, like he he like uh, debriefed it. What what happened? And I said, she told me I'm going to remember all of this. And this is also something else that this is in the book. Now I have talked about this on my on my channel. So mm-hmm. I'm going to do a short shameless plug. I have a website, TonyRodrigues.com. It has links to many of my free interviews. It's got a course on there for the other people that have gone through what I've gone through to take for memory to help uh, memory exercises. It has a link to my Patreon channel, which I'm doing to try to hopefully not be censored. Many of my interviews have been deleted. Yeah. And when you search Tony Rodriguez, the search is not right on YouTube anymore or on Google. It's been totally, totally beaten down. Yeah. So that's I'm gonna put a plug there. So there's Tony Red Race. No, absolutely. And thank you, Kat, in the live chat for dropping all of his links in the in the live chat there. Um, she's awesome. been dropping them that's through. Cool. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so you were telling this captain, and he was he was genuinely interested to know everything that she told you. Yes, absolutely. And because he knew that it was a legitimate technique. Psychic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a legitimate technique that the psychic was doing, right? And I told him that I was going to remember. And we talked about it later. And you know what? I think that I, st- I said it earlier. When they said you went to the psychic, they, they all said, what did the psychic tell you? And I said that I said it then. This was before he called me. I said, they t- she told me I'm going to remember all this when I go back to Earth. And they were like laughing. And actually, the Corvette captain, which is like number three, I think, number two or number three in line on the ship, he said, you're going to get a lobotomy before you remember anything. You're going to go back and you'll get a, You'll be lobotomized. Don't worry. They'll scan that. They'll figure that out. And he said, he said, you, whatever. He's like, those, those you got. And then, he, and then they were like, you got ripped off because that's impossible. You know what I mean? And he actually said that. So later on to find out on my talk back, I mean, I'm skipping a lot of skipping a lot of steps here as usual, but it was the captain that deleted my record. It was the captain. And what he did was he used one of our missions. He made sure that I was on a, we, I was on a mission that was high risk. And, be, and it, it had a security clearance that let him delete our records. So it was a mission where we interacted with another species. And if we would have got caught, they didn't want it to get tracked back to the series colony. You get what I'm saying? We were stealing from them. And he, okay. used, he used that opportunity to delete my records. Oh, interesting. And, so uh, he uh, was he was part of the the destiny of you recalling all of this that you're able to tell us today. The captain was a good person. Uh, he was a he, okay, and maybe some of this is they, they. I've had people tell me, you know, that's Stockholm syndrome, you know, where you love your captor. And mm-hmm. I was a slave. I was treated bad. And they these were this organization were bad people. They in many ways they had slavery. And they had thievery and they treated a lot of people bad. They interacted with other colonies in the solar system badly. They interacted with other species and worlds badly. We did bad things. So these weren't, you know, you can you can get on either side of the coin. The people the United States does bad things. 
does good things. We've come, we have wars, we have, we do things that are shady. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like I'll reserve that judgment. What I want to say is on a personal level, my captain and I kind of were friends and he was a good person. He did, you know what I'm saying? Like he did little things that were, he, he tried to take care of everybody. You know what I mean? Like I just. Yeah. Well, I think if he wasn't a good person, he would have never done what he did for you. Right. Right. And, um, you know, there were other things, there were other things involved, but definitely other, there were definitely other officers on the bridge crew that were horrible people that were very, they were almost sadistic and they enjoyed, they enjoyed their, their, uh, free reign of over the slaves, over slaves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So basically the reason why you were able to escape that lobotomy despite you recalling everything and them working with that chronovisor and trying to figure out the timeline probabilities, it was your captain that removed you from the system, which then made it impossible for them to put you through the lobotomy and allowed you to come back to your body at 10 years old and then be able to recall these later. And here we are. And here we are. And we are seriously, they knew this is like 38 years later. Well, let's so just... it wasn't until 2015 that I got really, I remembered, I had the memories all along, but they didn't make any sense. Can we just send a little, like, you know, through through no space and time, a little gratitude to your captain for that? Um, because that's, that's pretty amazing. Now, you had a really, you know, speaking of relationships, because you've never been able to talk about this um, on any of your interviews is your relationship with the captain. Do you want to kind of go into that? Because there's some very interesting information that you were able to learn through having a friendlier relationship with him. So, yeah, uh, we talked and we talked about this too. So I have mentioned this in a few briefly in a few interviews, but um, on the ship prior, so it was, this, I believe it was the same captain and the same crew on the ship prior that I served on prior to that. The, I believe the name was Blitzbus, Blitzbus lightning truck or lightning horse or something like that it was a one of the converted submarines and it was a um dated like a really old ship and it was just a piece of junk and it was it literally fell apart over over its final missions and was decommissioned and the last mission that we were in it i we we had a thing called anti-telephoning we were but we were all aware of it and what it was was if a mission went out and failed they could anti-telephone and then the mission would be scrubbed before it even left. And so we always had no fear. Like if things were, if we heard that things were going wrong or the ship was breaking down or you, like, like on, on days that were bad, we had no fear because we said, well, they'll just anti-telephone this and we'll be fine. So there's nothing to worry about. Even if you heard noises or do you get what I mean? Like times that it was bad. And, uh, one of those days we, I thought it was going to happen and we had, there was a large valve that you cl would climb up and there was radioactive water that would pass through it. And it was a very large pipe. Like I could climb up in it. And back then I was probably 160 pounds, 170 pounds. And, um, you know, much smaller than today, <laughs> sadly, but you could climb up inside it and uh, we took a wrench and you could pry the valve and tap on it and the valve would close and then they could engage whatever that did. I had no idea what system it was, what it did, nothing. I got orders over the intercom to go up there and close the valve. The other, the, we always did it with two of us because if you crawled up there, it was such a tight fit with your arm up and you, you couldn't get back out. 
Oh. And you had to have somebody grab your feet and pull you up. And the guy wasn't there that day. The, my, my, my coworker wasn't there. So they kept coming. They, I said, I can't do it. I, I was on the intercom and I said, I cannot do it. There's no one to pull me out. I'll get hurt. And so they, they didn't say anything. There was no, and usually they would threaten you with violent, you know, to be shocked or disciplined. And he didn't say anything. And I thought that was odd. And then he came, when they called back again, there was, he sounded desperate and you could hear people screaming kind of in the background. And this is the bridge I was listening to. You could hear, you could hear a, a, like a, like a situation going on and they were desperately, and he was almost like, please, you know, in a desperate, please get up there and do that. We need to engage, you know, and I don't know what it was, but he said, please, you got to close that valve. And they sounded desperate. So then I thought, well, if anything bad happens, They'll just say, and I telephone this. So I was, it wasn't an act of heroic. I wasn't being heroic, but I thought, okay, I'm just going to go up there and do it. We'll see what happens because, you know, go, I'll go for it. And at the time I was, it was a very, out of the entire 20 years, it was a very low time, a very, a very emotionally bad time. Like I was almost suicidal because okay. my lot in life was so bad at that time. That was, it was my loneliest years. Those are my loneliest years. And so I crawled up in that pipe and I tapped it and something happened. And so then I got burnt very badly. It was steam. It was like radioactive steam. I got my face burnt. My hand with this whole arm was burnt very badly. And uh, I thought I was going to die right there. Later on, uh, you know, I don't know how long, but I had a hard time breathing. I kind of, you know, I don't want to say I was totally unconscious, but I felt like, you know, like, like I was trying to sleep, trying to, you know, I was in shock from the pain. And, uh, but later on after maybe 20, 30 minutes, I don't know how long the time passed. They pulled me out and I remember freezing because I was, I was burnt badly, like blistered, like badly burnt. And I remember shivering on the floor and they left me there. And the captain came down and the one of the officers said, it's too bad. You're going to finish out your tour looking like, looking like that. Cause they're not going to spend the money on a slave like you. They're not going to see. That's what he said. He was literally standing over me saying, he's like, they, that's too, well, you poor bastard. You're going to spend the rest of your time looking like a, like a pizza or, you know, or something, whatever he said, he described, he said, you're going to look like hell the rest of your time. Cause they are not going to spend the money on fixing you up. You poor bastard. And he walked away and I, I didn't care at that point because I was in pain. I was in, still in shock. The captain walked up and they walked down there and they, you know what I mean? A, people filled the room. There was a lot of people in and out. The captain walked up and he said, no, he's getting fixed. He's getting, fi he's getting the full throttle. He's getting fixed. You don't know what he just done. He, what he's done. And they decommissioned the ship after that. That was the, like the last that, you know what I mean? That was the last real uh, deep space mission that ship did. They, they decommissioned it. And so I got fixed up. I, I was, it was a day they took me to the hospital and the next day I was fine. I had, I, I don't know how they did it. They clone you or put you in and who knows? I okay. didn't witness the thing, but I was fixed like that. And back to normal, my hand was fine. Uh, one day I was in great pain and they took me to the hospital and whatever the system they did. And I woke up and I was just back to normal. I was good, right as rain, like the next day makes you wonder about like the healing chamber technology that you know we hear about and what's available like it's it can be instantaneous like that i didn't witness it but i think it was part of the cloning i think it's i think they clone you and okay they can i think it's consciousness transference i think that's really the, yeah the so real... they clone you and then your consciousness goes into a new clone 
like it's a brand new body. Exactly. Yeah. They okay. could print a body. I, that's my guess. I don't, like I said, I didn't witness it. You know okay. what I mean? I was asleep. I was out. I was out. Anyhow, so then months went by. And then they built the new, we got, they got the new ship, the Max von Lowy. We got the new ship and we trained. I had to go to school and train for my new job. And it was months that, you know, that it went by before we even did a voyage on the ship. And that's when I started, I got promoted. That was how I got that promotion was to engineer, uh, you know, oh, because cargo you engineer. did that, you did that act. They, they promoted you. They promoted me. And what they okay. said was, so nobody said this to me until we started doing briefings and the captain did, he said, will you stay, stay back? And he said, this is, I forget my, my last four, three digits of my number were like eight, eight, six, oh, or something like that. This is eight, six, oh, you had a long number. And if you were in a room with other guys that had numbers, it would go like if if two guys had the same three numbers, then one of them would get his fourth number, and that's what they'd call him. In other words, if your last numbers are one 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 and my last numbers are one one one, they would take the next number that's not the same, and they'd call me that. So I'd be five one 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 one, and you would just be one one one. And okay. hey, excuse me, one one one. Let's read that report to me. That's I. Had, we were numbers. We got called by numbers. Um, the first day he was reading who was sitting at the table. At the, the very first day, and he said, this is eight, 864. And 864 qualified for a medal, for the Medal of Aunt Valor or something, the Medal of the Something Medal. He said, does anybody else at the, sitting at this table qualify for that medal? And they were all silent. And he said, I want you to treat him accordingly, even though he's what he is. I expect him to be treated accordingly. And the captain, that's what he said. That was like day one. And a couple of guys didn't like that. They did. They were like, I, well, I'm going to treat him like a piece of shit that he is. You know, like they didn't want to hear that. But that's how the captain felt. And what he said was, after the fact, he said, look, if you, he pulled me to the side one day, you know, that later that day or the, the next day, whatever. He pulled me to the side after one of these meetings. And he said, those guys, he's like, I want you to, I want you to keep this in confidence. Nobody knows this. He's like, this is between you and I. And if, if something does get out, I could get in trouble and I would, you would definitely be punished. He said, but um, they don't know this, but we have a, uh, like a religion that only the captains and the generals that only the highest, only the people that are chosen, you have to be chosen to, to, for this religion, to be a member. And if you were not a slave, you would qualify to be chosen into what I believe it to what to our belief system because of what you did you would have earned the medal you would have if you weren't a slave you would have been meddled and I would actually in fact have to salute you you know what I'm saying like the, it's like a medal of honor situation in America I don't know what the German one version is but and he explained that everybody that had won that medal and lived in their history that they keep an eye on because they would always go on to do important things they would always go on to to bring change and he said, everybody that lived after they got that medal turned out to be somebody, somebody important. Okay. And I said, I'm not going to be important. <laughs> you know what I mean? I said, I, that's not what I'm going to do. And, um, but he, he said, you know, and he said, and it's also a shame because if things were different, you and I, I feel you and I would be friends, you know, like we were close to the same age. He was a little older than me. And, but we, he talked, he asked me about where I, he read my report. He like, he knew my whole he knew my entire 20 and back. He knew nothing of my real life. But the 20 and back, when I was taken, you know, my time in Seattle and in Peru, he had a report. He had all of that. And mm -hmm. uh, so he he asked me, and he's we sat and talked. 
And there were there were many times that I stayed after and talked to him, and we we would just enter. We were like friends. It was like we got along, you know. But uh, now, okay. So the the interesting thing about all this is that on series they promoted atheism. They did. In fact, uh, uh, system wide, even the Americans on Mars did too. Um, but it was, you know, and they would always say, "Well, if you believe in God, have God." take you away from this place, have God get you out of your work you got to do right now. Like they always did that. They, they, it was atheism. It was kind of like every man for himself. There's no afterlife, just no nothing. And uh, that's what they pushed. And so he was actually part of a creator God religion. Like he believed in creation. Okay. So although that's what they were pushing all across that planet, the higher ups in command actually had a religion. Yes. That's yep. very interesting. Right. Um, which it kind of, it, it's it's similar to here on Earth where, you know, in the sense that they try to pretend like there's, you know, occultism and all of that and how to work with the energy and and, 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 and all of that that, you know, anyone who's watching this channel uh, or this interview is acutely aware of uh, that they try to hide all of the possibilities that are available to us. So it was kind of that similar theme. Sure. And uh, well, well, like he said, he said that, and this is, this is like me remembering things from 50 years ago is what it feels like, you know, this is a distant memory. So I'm never, I'm not going to say it word for word, but he said that people, um, uh, like the low, like the lower officers that weren't in the know, mm -hmm. he said they weren't ready for it. He said, if you were ready for it, you would be a great person. He said, we believe that, you know what I'm saying? Somebody that's ready to, to participate in their religion has to be a great person in the first place. If you're not, because he said people have to incarnate several times before they get a lifetime that's worth even part, even joining us. You know, like he believed, he believed in that. He he he, he worded it like that, and uh, I was totally lost. I was totally like, I you know, he was talking Greek to me with what he was saying. It didn't make any sense um, then, but it does now because you know, I'm I'm I have a free mind. You know, yeah. a, a, excuse me, a, a freer mind than yeah. what I did. I was a very badly, I was a very damaged person mm -hmm. during the twenty and back. I was very damaged, and I had been abused greatly for throughout the slavery aspect of it. So I didn't really understand what he was getting at, but again, so I didn't have, I didn't have a cell phone. Do you get what I'm saying? Like I didn't have an iPad or any of, I didn't have an electric device. When I went home, which was like a prison, I would lay in my bed for hours in the dark. They, I didn't even have a light switch. I couldn't turn the light on and off if I wanted. They, we, when you got in there, when and even if you came in at late at night, they would turn your light on for five minutes, and so you could go to your room and then get lay in bed, get in the sheets, and then the light would cut out with a timer. And I would you, I would just sit there and think. And that day, I remember that I thought about the things he said to me quite a bit. It was profound, you know what I mean? Because it was like he let me in on something that was uh, way above what everybody else who had been running me ragged, you know, people that were running me into the ground. You know, it was things that were above them. It was knowledge that was above them. So it was really uh, liberating in that You know, this, this is just bringing us into a topic that, you know, you and I hadn't talked about um, when we spoke on Sunday. But it's just something I've been, it's been running through my mind, you know, 
with everything that's going on in our current world, um, to to this day, everything that we're witnessing happening, all of the manipulation, um, all of the fraud that we're seeing coming out. And then, of course, the media is trying to um, to gaslight everyone. It just goes to show you how powerful knowledge is. Literally, it's more powerful than money because you could have a lot of money, but if you don't know how to use it or you don't have the right knowledge, you know, you, 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 you're useless with it. The money's useless to you. If you're going into battle and you don't have proper knowledge of what's happening, you could make a thousand errors and lose the war. Knowledge is the most important thing we could ever have. It's the most powerful thing. And that's the very thing that is trying to be suppressed from all of us right now. Absolutely. And what you see now in the, when you see, you know, I'm on Facebook a lot and it's turned, it's sadly, it's turned political most of the time. But I think when you talk about politics now, what you're seeing is what you're seeing is half of the people are not fooled by the media and the other half are fooled by it. And they pair it. You know, when you get into a discussion and half of their discussion is quotes from the media, mm -hmm. they're things that the media quoted. And you know that, you know what I mean? They're, you can't get through because the pro because they're so sure of their self, because the media is this authority figure that people believe. And half the people don't fall for it. And half the people are. And it's like we're seeing it. And you got to think, though. And here's a ray, my ray of hope that I think about is that 15, 20 years ago, everybody believed the media. We all did. We all just looked at it. And that was how it was. The Gulf Gulf War. We, you know what I'm saying? When that all happened, 9-11, a lot of people, you only had a few people that were like, man, that was staged. And everybody mm -hmm. believed it and went along with it. Now, you know what I'm saying? Now there are millions and millions and millions of people and, and what people call them normies, normals, mm -hmm. people that are not into psychic stuff, people that don't, that are not star seeds or, you know what I'm saying? Like people that just are normal and they don't believe it either. So it's growing, you know what I'm saying? The freedom from that is growing, is expanding. So uh, that's a, my ray of hope. Yeah. And I think what we're seeing today, and I'm just being a little careful with words here, but, you know, that voting, that voting event <laughs> that took place a couple of weeks ago. The whole election. Um, yeah. It's like that. I feel this is the tipping point. The, the What I'm sensing is that this is the tipping point that's going to really wake up a larger percentage en masse. Um, to what's really going on. And this was necessary to happen. And, you know, as a traumatized society, we often need very traumatic events to wake us up. It's the it's just our programming. You know, we don't we don't listen until it gets really bad. Well, and the, the other thing is a lot of the kids now. And when I say kids to me, you know, I'm like 40. I'll be 49 in a couple of months. I'm feeling feeling old. But when I say kids, I mean, you know, the 25, 20, you know, even under 30 to me is very young. But the 25 and under crowd, you can tell that they get their entertainment from from just a few sources because they all have, they're all in the same kind of pop culture going on. What they're going to get, no matter what happens with the election, no matter what happens, what they're going to get now that they didn't have, that we have as older people is a point of reference. And I, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to use names, but I will say the president of the United States for me has a different point of reference because I grew up, he was in the news all the time. 
He was a celebrity and all that. The kids nowadays that are 23 years old, they have no point of reference. They don't know who, they don't know him from from a hole in the wall. He's just mm-hmm. some guy. He's just some guy. So they don't have a point of reference. So they believe everything that was told about him 100% verbatim because they don't have. And we have a point of reference. It's like when I hear certain things about the president, I'm like, that's not right because he's he's never been like that. I'm, you get what I'm saying? Like that would have came out 30 years ago when he yeah. was on the news. So the kids nowadays, no matter what happens with the election, they're going to have a point of reference. And in five years, 10 years, they're going to they're going to lose. What it is, is they're going to the barrier that it took us, the masses of the older folks to to not believe the media. The, this generation is going to breach that barrier much quicker. You get what I'm saying? They're going to they're going to not be 45 when they figure out that the media is bullshit. Excuse my language. <laughs> no, be, it's okay. <laughs> they're going to be 30 and 35 and they're going to figure it out. You get what yeah. I'm saying? Like the, the media is losing traction no matter what happens, no matter what they do. They they're in they're in a sinking ship as far as the controlling us. Oh, and it's sinking fast. Yep. Like they, they've already hit the Titanic. The Titanic's already hit. They the already iceberg. hit the iceberg. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they have hit the iceberg. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And now it's like, who's got the lifeboats? But well, your lifeboats, they're not going to last either. <laughs> um, I also think that there are great, there are great opportunities here. Um, I keep looking down at us, but um, I'll look at the camera. I think there are no, great it's opportunities okay. here for everybody because we need new media. We need a new, we need a new uh what do you call it what are the associated press we need a new associated press we need a new press and yeah one that doesn't think they're god just one that just one that's originally that has afraid that has a fear of being in trouble for lying that's all it takes they just have to have they just have a a fear (laughs) yeah well the media used to be afraid used to get charged money if they lied if they got caught lying they got fined and they got rid of that in the end of the Reagan administration. They mm-hmm. legislated that away and they waited, they waited a couple 20 years before they really went off bonkers with it. Yeah. Um, and then now there's social media too. So they, they kind of need to be reined in. We need new social media giants that are, that are uh, concerned with our freedom of speech that are more yep. constitutional. So this is a great opportunity. Gives it good times. It is. I have a question for you from the chat from free range brain. Um, Free Range Raymond would like to know, does the president, current president, and the letter that's number 17, I just don't want to say it out loud. Yeah, let's not get in um, trouble. Um, have access to time travel technology. So they did it in the past, but from everything I've heard that, yes. Uh, and this, okay, so let me word it like, let me phrase it like this in my opinion, right? Mm -hmm. So I have to put a disclaimer there. There are many things that, um, there are many things that have happened to me since coming forward. And there are things that I've learned. Mm -hmm. And I really am not supposed to talk about some of them. So in my opinion, the president has the ability to communicate with himself in the past. Like a, like the same way that we direct message, that the president has that ability. The president also has quantum time dilation. Certain presidents, excuse me, not all of them, certainly not all of them, but some presidents have access to quantum time dilation, and they do it in a much different way. So they're not getting a clone body and going back and being regressed. They're leaving and spending more time and then coming back in a short time later. 
So they could be gone for a day or a week and be gone up there for six months, a year. And I, that is certainly happening because that explains their gray hairs that happen overnight. Um, they have that ability. Many people in the uh, Pentagon have that ability and the corporations, people that are running uh, defense corporations and a lot of corporations that you wouldn't, that you wouldn't assume have access to that technology. Um, they, once, once you're at a certain level uh, of, uh, I guess, influence, Mm -hmm. then uh, you have access to that technology. So yeah, the time, the time travel technology, and more importantly, the ability to communicate into the future and past is uh, getting easier. The same way, the same way that our computers are getting smaller for us, that technology got better for them. Okay. So when you say that these presidents are going for whatever, they're gone for maybe a day or a week and they go for six months or however long. Some of what, them. Yeah, some of them. Not all of them. What is it in your opinion that they're accessing, seeing, getting information on? Well, the earth is a colony. It's no longer the, the earth is no longer the primary uh, residence of mankind. It's one of the colonies. So the earth would become an earth colony corporation the same way that there's a Mars colony corporation and a Ceres colony corporation and an Enceladus colony corporation and on and on and on. There are over hundreds of them in our solar system corporations. And so they probably are going to Jupiter and meeting up with other leaders of these corporations as well. Or the moon. And okay. the moon has, uh, the moon is, is somewhere that is, so the series colony, I mean, I got to, I got to kind of set this up and explain it. The series colony didn't have, uh, as far as I know, portal, uh, personal portal technology because of the power constraint. They were, they were very obsessed with power output and the ships ran, uh, the stats of the ships were all about power output. So they had, they had free energy, but there's only so much energy per generator that they could have. So the power output of the ship would determine how far it could go and how quickly it could make a portal to go there. And I guess one with a greater power output could make a portal that could go farther into the cosmos. Okay. And, and it would have to wait to kind of save up the power to jump back. There were combat ships that could jump several times before they would have to wait for all the, they had more engines in them that generated power. Uh, the moon has an order of magnitude power greater than anything the series colony had. So the moon has like the, like an infinite power source inside of it. That's millions of years old that has great technology. So all the time travel and the moon has personal teleporting. And because it takes a great deal of like the, when I was there, they explained it to me that it was an unimaginable amount of power. Like you can't even put, they can't even put it in a number. You know what I'm saying? The, the amount of energy that it takes to run, the portal system that they had on the moon, but the moon, I guess, has a has an engine um, uh, a generator that's that powerful. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. I've never heard that before. Now, I know that you wanted to bring something up. Which one? Well, you wanted to get ahead of something. Yeah. Well, so there are other people that have come forward. Uh, with my information, mm -hmm. with uh, space program information, space colonies, man, uh, you know, human human colonies. And there's some rumors going around uh, 
that there is a list of people that participated on that in the, in the, and that, and then that's going to be made public and that some people aren't going to be on that list and it'll be this huge debunking thing. And that's kind of why we're talking you asked me that that's kind of like, it's been on my mind because I think it's a dangerous thing uh, to assume number one, that the most secret organizations in the history of all mankind have everything in one list on one place. Do you get what I'm saying? Like that yep. just is, doesn't that sense. is not legit at, and there's no way that that could be number number one number two my experience that i went through i always remembered that no one ever asked me about that i would always talk about the return and the way that that worked out and nobody would just ever asked me so i just never talked i never thought it was going to be pertinent information but now it seems that there are certain people that are going to come forward and produce this list and say well you're not on this list so you weren't a, you weren't in space uh you know, I wish I wish that every time I check something out that it wouldn't pan out. I wish that what I remember going through in Seattle wouldn't have checked out by me going to Seattle and finding the damn house. Mm -hmm. I wish that the town in Peru wasn't exactly like I remember it with the fishing ponds and everything, exactly like I remember it. I wish that things that were found sound on series colony that NASA that confirmed exactly how I remember it. And on and on and on. I mean, there's just, it's just every time I check something out, it happens like, it would be great if everything terrible that I remember never happened. But unfortunately, every time I check it out, it does. And so when that list comes out and when that happens, if they say that I haven't been in space in, you know, the 20 years that I remember and the life change that I remember that I went through after I went back, the suffrage that I, that my regular life took on, um, I'm not going to let that go. I'm, I, I just won't take that as an answer because it's too real to me because I earned in the time that I went through that, the time, the people that I met, the things that I, that I experienced and the life that I had to lead afterward after being crippled emotionally by all that, I feel I've earned the right to speak about it publicly. I feel I've mm -hmm. earned, earned it. Yep. And so for other whistleblowers to try to shoot me down, there are YouTube channels that are all about hating me and debunking mm -hmm. me. You know what I mean? Like, I, and it's everybody's right to be skeptical of me. Honestly, if, if we weren't skeptics about the things I say, it would be strange. It would be weird. Yeah, it would be weird. <laughs> but to have other people just totally like fight me from the beginning, other people from the inside fight me from the beginning. It's so suspect and such a bad uh, sign that, uh, you know, it's just, hard, it's kind of heartbreaking. You know what I mean? It's like uh, say it ain't so Joe. And so I think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a list and there's going to be a real, uh, there's going to be a, a big movement against me well, in, in the future. Let, let me say this to the audience who's listening right now. To, and, and you made a very good point there, Tony, that to think that there's one list that has it all, the smoking gun and all of that, just doesn't make any sense. It's not how anything like this, uh, this caliber would ever work. Um, and also when you look at us as hu humans and knowing like, you know, for all of you star seeds in the audience and understanding the codes and the DNA codes that you hold, know that each of us carries a portion of the, um, of the, the awakening here, you know, like what we're doing, um, here on the planet earth for humanity. And that if only one person was here to really just kind of wake everyone up or heal the earth and liberate all of humanity, like all you do is you just take out that one person and it's done. It doesn't work that way. 
There has to be many. Wow. A lot of us are undercover. And that's why we hold all of these different codes within our DNA, numerous, like millions of us across the planet, because there can't just be one of us. So to think wow. that there's one list, like, honestly, when that comes out, guys, really think about that. Or just one whistleblower, just one account. Like, what I saw was just one bit of it. And I wasn't a ranking person. I wasn't a very... I wasn't a special or important person for 20 years up there. I was a laborer. I was a worker. And so there are many other things that I totally don't know about that, you know, I'm just giving my perspective. You know, I think that history should know that there was slavery. Like it seems to me like they'll try to hide that when we, when they disclose, like, I think history needs to know that there was a great amount of slavery, that there was great, even though they were an advanced culture on Ceres colony, you know, a galactic, intergalactic culture, that they were very primitive in that regard, that they that they use slave labor. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we're all part of a greater consciousness that doesn't need to experience things like that. Um, you know, it, in an advanced culture, in an advanced setting, we I feel that, a lot, you know, I've had people, I've had very smart people argue with me, but I say slavery is self-defeating. And because, you know, what if you had a guy that could, that had a gift, you know, that just was never discovered and he was enslaved. You know, what if Mozart never touched a piano or, you know what I mean? Um, da Vinci never touched a paintbrush or got to the point where he could do, do things because he was enslaved from a young age. Do you get what I'm saying? It, it's self-defeating on a populace. Yeah. And so I feel that history should know that. And mm -hmm. that's why I, I, that's why I still do this. I, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like once the book comes out, I'm probably going to let, relax from doing interviews mm -hmm. and just let the book you know what i mean kind of here you go and let that go because i think it'll a lot of people will get it and it's something that once there's a hard copy book in your hand it does it's very hard for them to to erase where the interviews get have been blocked there's shadow banning on the ssp um subject and so i feel that the book i might i might uh slow down with everything but I feel it's important to know. I feel it's important for history after they disclose to, to for people to know what I went through and what mm -hmm. she went through. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, I'll say this, and this is just, you know, my personal opinion. Um, you know, there's a reason why I asked you to come back on the show. I believe in, like, I believe you. I, there's something within your story and just even your own energy field that really resonates a lot of truth. At least genu genuine, there's a lot of genuineness that comes through that frequency for what you're saying. And so, um, and, I, and I think that's, you know, given everything that you're trying to remember and, and, and to that point of memory, you know, when we all think about it, it's really hard for me to remember the very fine details of a lot of my past, you know, just in general. Uh, there are certain things that really stick out, like they're more traumatic or on all of that. But, you know, it's really hard to remember every single detail. And so I think you do a really good job of recalling what you do. You know, and then some days I remember it, like as we talk about it, I remember it. And then if you wait six months and I talk about the exact same thing, there are things I'll forget and new things that I'll remember of the same episode. You know what I mean? Because that's how people remember things. Like if I ask you, and I always use the birthday, you know, if I ask you what your 13th birthday party was like, we'll talk about it and you'll remember some of it or not. But then if we wait six months and we talk about it again, you could remember different 
aspects of your 13th birthday party. Mm-hmm. And there's no way that I could say, well, since you, you got that wrong, so it must not have happened. You must not have turned 13. Do you get what I mean? Like that? Yeah. It's very hard. It's a lot of people hold me to a really high standard of memory and that you have to realize I was taken when I was 10. I mean, in the very beginning, when I got my memories back, I knew it was the year of 82. So I thought it was 84th grade. So that was 81 to 82. And it was, I was nine and 10 through the school year. And then I remembered the science fair was in April. So I was 10. So first interviews I did, I, I kept saying I was taken at nine years old. But I was wrong. And later on, I started saying, well, I was taken at 10 years old because I had turned 10 in February. And then March, April, I was that's when I was taken. It was in April. And uh, when I sorted that out, I had to get more memories that, you know, what I mean? you fill in the blanks over time yeah. of, of talking about it. And so those are the little details that people really get bent out of shape that I got that wrong. But I mean, you know, how hard is it to remember something from 40 years ago? Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I, I agree. You know, of course, everyone's wanting to look for, you know, all the holes in someone's story to either prove them wrong or to prove them right. And um, I think there's got to be a little bit of grace, a little bit of latitude in um, in the memory recall, you know, just a little bit. And speaking of, do you want to get into the crater that's been discovered to have salt, which you talked about oh, you wanted five to put years that on there, ago? Right. Yeah. So, so why don't look. I why don't I put it up here? Um, I'll show the NASA website that you sent me. Um, one second here. Okay, so everyone can see the um, the the website. So what happened was in the in 2015, I was working with some researchers. Yep. And um, they wanted, they were like uh, really grilling me, you know what I mean? Like very, very, now I don't want to say skeptical, but very thorough. You know what I mean? Like prove it. Okay. These are big claims to prove it. Let's see some proof. And I had remembered flying over when we came on an approach one time we went, I think it was Enceladus. Am I saying that right? I always get it confused with Ganymede. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One of those moons around Jupiter has a ton of geysers. And one time the ship we would we flew back from Jupiter and the geysers were going off and they flew through it and they told everybody to take five from your workplace and go to the window and look and I did it because I wanted to get ahead on the working schedule and I regretted it because that's all everybody talked about for months afterwards how awesome those geysers man those geysers were cool you know like water cooler talk on the ship was like you should have seen those man that was amazing so the geyser on series went off and so I made sure that I stopped work I took the opportunity that day, they said, we're going to fly by the geyser on the way back, and you can take a break and go out. We're only going to fly by it for a minute or two, and it'll be on the port side. And I did, and I walked up to the observation, uh, the sea deck, I think it's sea deck, which is the big deck, which had the, the bathroom and the, the kitchen, the galley. And I stood there and watched it as we flew by next to an officer, a guy that I never, didn't know. He was somebody that worked on the ship that I never met. And we flew past it, and it was gorgeous. I'm gonna put up. A, this is an artist rendition I have. I oh, are you gonna are you gonna show? Oh wait, I have it. I have it here. There's oh, you've that. got it behind you. Okay, perfect. So we flew over. There's the little thing of the ship. You know, uh, is it? Yeah. Working. Mm-hmm. So there's a little artist rendition. A friend of mine, Mark Halsey, great guy, good friend of mine, and he did some art for me. But he just drew that in there. And what it was was these white spots. 
every between every six and nine years is what they said over the they were talked about it over the intercom and gave the whole speech you know kind of like when you're on a on an airplane and they tell you about where you're flying over death valley has you know we flew and uh he said that every between every it's random they don't know how what makes it what they don't know they didn't know what made it go off but it was every six or nine years somewhere in there in that range that the geyser would go off for a few days um up to a week and it would shoot water of 11 or 12 kilometers into the sky off uh, series and the water would evaporate rapidly it was gas it looked like gas but what was left over was salt and uh it would snow back to the ground at different speeds it was just absolutely stunning to watch and when we flew over it i just looked out and i went wow you know because the minerals and the salt would they came back at, when it went up and they though as the water evaporated it pushed it out and there were different speed cones coming down so i always remember that these are this is something that you don't forget after they like when i was 15 years old i had this memory you get what i'm saying i always had a visual like i always remembered standing there looking out the window and when we flew by so the other crater see uh, there's a great deal of salt on the ground mm -hmm. i looked down and uh, we weren't that high that crater is like 50 miles wide there you know 50 miles big of diameter and as we flew by i said we were we were always into trade missions we always wanted to trade with somebody i said can't we use that stuff to the guy next to me the officer and it was like he didn't he was like shut he kind of was like shut up don't talk to me i said can't we use that stuff to trade can we do anything he said well you can go down there and put on a put on a helmet and go down there and scoop it up and maybe you can take a nice bath <laughs> you know that's what he told me that's he said because it's salt it's yeah. basically salt and magnesium he said it's worthless to them nobody everybody that we would trade with already has all they need and it was a worthless thing but so i always remember that conversation because that was like a beautiful moment he was kind of he was kind of a dick yeah because you said me. when when you you were explaining it to me the other day you said it like the salt was falling at different speeds like depending on where it was like if it was centered in the was, cone right yeah right, it came at different speeds down the geyser as it fell and it was just gorgeous i mean it was a it was breathtaking i mean it's it's one of those things like you know if you walk and you see the grand canyon for the first time that's a breathtaking moment you don't forget it um and so now you so you then, talked about that in 2015 correct 2015 i went on the record i said there's a geyser there and all those white spots are salt and the researcher i was working with was following it when the dawn probe was getting the dawn probe was not even there yet when i was set and i went on record with this and the dawn probe got there got better pictures said and i remember i said we flew we flew over that and i remembered that mission and i documented all this and uh but nasa was like they thought it was something else they thought it was a bunch of other chemicals and so the researcher I was working with said, no, well, we've got to wait and see what the study says at NASA. So just, I think it was in uh, July, the end of July or August this year, when, whenever that article that I sent you, yep. they came Here, out. Let, me, they let came, me bring it back up for everyone. Yeah, just um, Mystery this solved. Year. It says here on the NASA website, mystery solved, bright areas, bright areas on series come from salty water below. And so that confirmed what I had said in 2015. And it just like was like, it was just such a big thing for me. I'm, you know what I mean? It's a small thing. But for me, for what I've been through and to talk about this publicly, and you know what I mean? Like I've been, I've had to put up with 
tons of skepticism and just, you know what I mean? Like this isn't easy on my life. Mm -hmm. And to have some kind of validation like that was just so big to me. And I always keep it up and not like on my Patreon channel and my show. I always keep series back there a little bit because I, I kind of thumb my nose. I'm like, I, I said, so, I said that I called it out. Yeah. Okay. And, um, <laughs> so you just reminded me of something. I, I, I want to, you're like a perfect person to ask this question. Uh-oh. So, um, and, and Dave, thank you so much. Suterbug. Th- thank you so much for the super chat. Um, I'm going to get to your question next. Um, he's got a question for you, Tony. Uh, but, Okay, so I had a dream uh, that I was on a ship, and, and a lot of people in my audience, they've heard this story, so I apologize, um, but I, I really would love for you maybe a further confirmation or if you saw this, but while I was on this ship in the dream, I remember seeing um, through the window that was like at the front, I guess it would be considered the bridge, um, that there was all of this residue kind of we were going through what looked like very much a milky way type part of space and there was oil on the um we were like the i'm gonna for lack of a better word just on the window the windshield of the ship okay and i remember thinking oh wow like how are you going to be able to see and then i remember thinking in my dream oh well now I know this is a dream because there's no there's no oil that would be coming on the on this on this wind on the windscreen of the ship on the window going through space, and so then I told a girlfriend the next day, and she pulls up this scientific article in a journal that talks about how there's this oil gassy residue in the Milky Way. That's true. So you um, saw that. I didn't see it, but there was you know I talked to people. These are things that, you, you know, you talked about there. I didn't see it personally. The other thing is the observation deck where I was, they yeah. could turn it off. It would just turn into a gray wall. Oh. Like their windows, there were big porthole windows. I got some art. I got another artist rendition, but I don't have it up right now. That I can show you later. But there were port, big portholes, big windows that were, you know, five feet wide and super thick. The, it looked like the glass was like, you know, two feet thick. And they could turn it off. It would just turn to solid gray. Boom. It looked like the wall. It would blend right in. And then they had another big one that was from ceiling to floor that was a big observation area. Anyhow, there were times when it had to be clean. What happened was when they portal, they they would portal and they had to stay outside of an atmosphere because it would freeze and the ship would get covered with part of the atmosphere, the like a liquid. The ship would get covered with it. So they would always fly into space and then portal out and portal into space and then fly into the atmosphere. And there were times that they went in the atmosphere and it would freeze. There would oh. get, there would be atmosphere that would stick to the ship. So as far as the oil, there are regions, they always said there were regions of space. There were, there were clouds that they went through and they had to get there because there are space stations that are hiding in them. That, oh, really? Yes, that they would build space stations out there because it's a big deal to not be seen in space. Yeah. Because you never know. It's like it's like a forest. Really, it's like a forest. You know, it's so vast. There are so many different civilizations that can access billions and billions of galaxies. So they can. You never know who's going to fly by and if they're going to be hawkish on you or not. Like the series colony, it was it was very common for colonies to conceal themselves, not because they were up to no good, but because you don't know who's going to fly by and just pop in and take take whatever they want because they yeah. have more technology than you. 
So that's kind of wow. like a common thing. So there are space stations that were in clouds that would have like it, like you, like an oil or oil. some chemical, some heavy chemical. Yeah. Okay. And, and, and that allowed them to be hidden because most ships wouldn't want to go through that. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Because it, it's a big place. And if you're out in the open where you can be seen. Oh, wow. Know. Interesting that I had that dream then, because I remember, um, I, I definitely felt like I was on mission. We were on mission and we were going towards another planet that was earth like. Yeah. Okay. Wow. That's so interesting. I'm so glad that you were able to give me that information. That helps me. Okay. So I have a question here from um, the chat from Sutterbug. And I'm just going to read you the question and uh, exactly how uh, he wrote it. Hey, Tony, have you made contact with others like Corey Good or how many do you know of that have recovered their memories? That's a, uh, that's a big question. I have made contact with a lot of guys that have whistleblown and come, you know what I mean? Like with the exception of some of them, and I don't want to really, Corey's embroiled in a lot of lawsuits with people. So I kind of just don't yeah. want to talk about him at all. Like, I, I wish him the best. I love his interviews. Uh, you know, I don't watch him anymore. I don't watch because I don't want to mix other people's information with my information. Mm -hmm. It kind of clouds up the water. So I, I've never watched Emory Smith, not a stitch of it, and nothing against him, but just because I'm afraid of contaminating my own information. Sure, sure. That makes total um, sense. I mean, other guys, I don't, really don't want to drop names, but there's a lot of them we talk with. I phone called with a lot of guys, and it's nice because um, it's nice to meet somebody that wants to learn from me to talk to. They want just as bad to talk to me as I want to talk to them mm -hmm. to kind of to kind of decompress it. It's a it's a scary experience getting back hidden memories. It's a very scary thing for everybody. And so some whistleblowers that you might know about that I, I have talked to, um, but other people, I get contacted all the time. I still get contacted. And that's why on my website, I made an area for people to go to because I couldn't keep up with everybody. I really, I couldn't keep up with it. So I've met a few thousand people that have memories, that have fragmented memories, maybe not on the level that I have, but a lot of people have memories and I, there's a few questions that I ask that usually can pan out and you can tell if it's real or not. And some people are just, you know, went through different programs. Uh, it's just, it, I was taken by humans and then went into a, like a Draco program. Mm -hmm. And so, like I said, you never know who's flying by that can come and take you. Billions and billions of societies have access to the earth. They can just fly in here. They're not, even though they're not supposed to but they can fly in here and interact with people. There are many programs that, that are ETs that have different levels of technology and different reasons to interact with us. So uh, that's why everybody's account that never matches up and it sounds like gibberish. It's because they're being taken by different things. Uh, but I've had, I've had a few thousand people contact me and that's why, and everybody's kind of asked the same question. How do I, how do I uh, polish my memories? How do I get more memories? And so that's why I made that course that's on my website. And a lot of people have taken it and given me some positive feedback. It's not a silver bullet, but it's somewhere to start. And in the beginning, I was so lost with it all, with what yeah. do I do with this? Whoa, what's going on? And I wanted somebody to talk to. And so that my website um, kind of is gives somebody, it's something. It's better than nothing. It's not, it's not the end of this, definitely. But I think in the future, after a disclosure, and if we get a secret space program disclosure, we're going to see hundreds of thousands of people that are going to go, whoa, I, I did that too. Right now, 
let's face it, our information, my information really goes to a small audience. And um, so when it gets to a bigger audience, more people are going to come in droves, I believe, and need, and need somewhere to go. So, yes, I have met people. I've talked to other guys. And um, like I said, there's a few things. There's a few things when you talk to somebody that's been through it, there, uh, you know, body, there's a body language to it. Mm -hmm. There's just a way where you kind of know that, that they're telling you the truth. Yeah. And I see um, Sutterbug saying, I really need to know for my own sanity. I will be checking out his course as well. Yeah, guys, check out his course, his memory recall course. I've got it right there. Um, Lucia just dropped it in the live chat. So look, um, so, so look, I didn't want to do this as a commercial. That course, it was set up by Jackie Pierce, who set up the website with me. Yeah. Who I do my Patreon and she's she teaches a lot of courses. She's a she's a medium. And so for to do the Patreon thing and to do the website, it costs me money. And that's why the course, I really wanted to give it for free, but really, you know, this takes a lot of my time and things. So no, there's, I a, think there's a fee I, for it. Listen, there, it's, it's got a value to it and it should be something. The, this is what I, this is the way I look at it, Tony. And for everyone else in the audience, this is really important. We have to be willing to invest money into ourselves, into things that are important to us. That's where we should be putting our money into things like this that help us understand ourselves better, help us understand the things that are being kept from us. Like there's not, there's no reason why you, anyone should feel bad about having to pay money for this kind of stuff. I, I think, you know, you're putting in your energy. It's a lot of hard work. You give a lot of stuff for free. And so I don't think that should be anything you have to explain. Um, I didn't I didn't want it to fall to the wayside for one. And mm -hmm. also when I went through it in the beginning, there was nothing. There was nobody to talk to. There was zero zip. And I would have paid 500 bucks for, for anything like that. Also, there is a link on there to contact me. There's an email address and you can contact me with questions, too. So I was doing it through Facebook, but social media has turned into it's a, hard. Yeah. Into a quagmire these days. So you can email me directly through the website, too. Okay, so I have another question for you. Um, where did it go? Okay, Catherine Faulkner would like to ask you, what do you know about replicators? Well, that's how I ate lunch. So that's how it made my lunch every day on the ship. Um, it was nice sometimes in the bridge in the bridge meetings. There was real food. Guys would bring stuff that their wife baked. You know what I mean? Like, but most of the time it was replicated food, which is slimy, slimier than real. Like if you made if, if you made macaroni and cheese, if I came over to your house and you made macaroni and cheese, it would not be as slimy as the replicated macaroni and cheese. And I brought you a pot of replicated mac and cheese. It'd be slimier. It's, it's just, uh, it was gross after a while. Um, but the, the bridge crew had one that had like 2000 recipes or 1200 recipes or some, a lot, like an infinite number. And the one that I had back in the cargo crew area in our bathroom on the sea, on the sea deck, only had like eight recipes in it. Okay. So you put a bowl in it and hit the button and it came out super hot and it was so super hot. Kind of like a vending machine, but like. That's exactly what it was. Okay. Yep. And it looked um, low tech. It looked like a sixties kind of, it wasn't fancy. It wasn't like, you know what I mean? Like a push screen. They were, mm -hmm. they were round buttons that you pushed and it looked like a microwave and you, you would put the bowl in it with the lid on and the lid had holes in it. And you'd hit the button and then it took like five, it took a while. It took like four or five minutes, but it was super hot. It would come out boiling hot and you'd have your bowl of food in there. And it was always slimy. It was gross. Okay. So this is, this is actually opening up my mind to another question then. Um, 
were there, and I know because you were slaves, so you probably wouldn't have had as much access to this, but were there certain cuisines that were unlike here that were very unique to where you would go in space? So real food was sold, like was a big business there. So I I did go one time and buy real food. Like when I, when I got my first check, the first thing I did was bought a sandwich. And I, to me, it wasn't worth half of my money that I made for the whole week. It was more than half. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like two thirds of everything that I earned. And so I never bought food. It was just too expensive for me for what I, I got paid. I got paid like 20 bucks a week. It was mm -hmm. just more, it was more of an allowance because they, because they liked me, you know what I'm saying? Like they, they, because I was an officer, not an officer, but I was in the officer's room. So they threw me a little crumb of 20 bucks a week. So I didn't buy food, but, but it was a big business there on series. Um, there were a lot of restaurants and that was their thing was that it was real food that they were shipping in and bringing real food, not replicated food. And there were certain places that had, they, they advertised cause I'd walk by and see the advertisements and they would advertise, um, what, how do they put it? Super advanced replication or, you know, near, near real replication. Like they, 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 they bragged about how quality their replicators were. So not everybody had one, like not all replicators are created equal put it that way. So they had okay. industrial replicators that made things that, and a lot of times when we traded, we were told to not talk about them. When we, when we were off, there were times when we offloaded cargo on planets and we would meet the people there. And we were taught to never speak about the replicators because we would trade with people that were less advanced and we didn't want them to know that we could just whip up element. We could just whip things up with, you know what I mean? And print it out. And so that was something we were told specifically not to talk about. But um, you was know, there, the other was thing, there a specific food that was like really coveted there, or did, like I'm just curious, what was the cuisine? Was it very Earth-like, or were there certain things that you knew you would never see here on Earth? Like what? Well, so, so I did have the benefit of living on Earth in my 20s back, so I did have memory of Earth, and mm -hmm. like in Peru, we had uh, she folded up those things, like we had empanadas, we had mm -hmm. Peruvian food. And then when I lived in Seattle, we had pies and things. So there was really, I don't want to say none of that, but there was not much of that. Okay. Most of the time it was some other food. Like there was like a, there, there was a lot of kebabs. They had German food. They celebrated Oktoberfest there. Okay, and there was yeah. sauerkraut. Like the replicator had sauerkraut, had a sauerkraut. Oh, wow. It, you know, with little tiny sausages that it would make. And it was very slimy. Like I said, it wasn't that great. So, um, but no, I really, I wasn't interested in the food. Like also there was alcohol and it, when I went to crumbs at the bar, but I, it was too expensive. I, it was just something that I, I, like I couldn't watch the TV. So when I sat at a bar and they had a TV on, they had a sporting event, like I couldn't watch sports. So I didn't have any interest in it at all. I was kind of bitter to get, okay. does that make sense? You know, like I, I was like, well, I'm never going to watch it anyway. I'm never going to get into this. Sure. Yeah, I don't even absolutely. watch it. Like when you watch a Netflix series, if you only watch 10 minutes of one episode, mm -hmm. you're not going to get into it. So I was like, I don't even care about Netflix. I don't even care about that. And that's kind of how I felt about the food. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, sorry, I don't mean to be distracted here, but there's, there, there was an orb in my room when you said, when you talked about the alcohol, right? When you said the alcohol, there was an orb in my room and now it's gone. And I'm just curious because last night or two nights ago, I was in my room and I saw an orb about like that, that big 
about like an inch to an inch and a half, like in di- in um, diameter, flying across my room, and the and and in my some of my my last all signs video, I think um, there was an orb. There was tons of orbs. So I'm just curious, guys, if you're seeing any orbs in this video on my end because um, I literally just saw one in my room. <laughs> so. Uh, that's weird because that's weird because of like 10 minutes ago i swore i saw something over here in my garage here but it looked like a the puff of smoke and then it disappeared and i just kind of ignored it i have a light on in my face shining in my face so i just ignored it but now that you've mentioned that i'm a little spooked, <laughs> a little oh. spooked. <laughs> um okay so I, there there was somebody in australia and uh, there was a book that i have that does a that did a study of orbs with photography with special uh-huh. cameras and concluded that they're good. It's a blessing. Yeah, I'm not. I'm so not freaked out about it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, a it's pretty. Yeah. Um, okay, so we have we have a couple more questions here for you. Uh, Alexandra Murphy would like to ask you, Tony, can you speak about wolf-headed creatures in the SSP and their possible connection to Dogman? So that's a. Uh, so Jason Rice came and went, and he came and gave some really great information on in his both on youtube and on his stay on gaia and jason was a real deal and a great guy and i uh, got to know him a lot and he had extensive stuff and we talked about it and what he told me was something that reminded me of a few times that we had um transported them and but i didn't know because they had a suit on them they i thought they were they were like half robot half uh, bio, bio uh, humanoid soldiers, and they, even their suit would make them like they could just sit down, and their 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 armor, the pants from the waist down, would lock in a position that they were comfortable. But and I didn't know that they were dogmen, like Jason ex- de- ex- described, until I spoke to him on the phone, and I remember that. Uh, when I would, because we we put them, they were cargo on our ship, and not in my cargo bay. But some of them were in my cargo, but they were mainly in the mainly in the in the sea cargo bay. But they were activated by a dog whistle, and that's what I remembered was that one time we were taking. I was told that they were super deadly soldiers. They were an elite fighting force, and we were we were taking them covertly into to another place. That they were being snuck, and that's why they were on our cargo ship, not on their, not on a regular warship. And I, they called me in, and I walked to them. They were in a gymnasium, so next to the hangar, not too far, was uh, like a PT. Like you would go there, and if you were out of shape, they, you know, if you got a physical and you were out of shape, you would have to do PT and do a, uh, 90 days of go. And when you got off the ship at the end of the day, you'd have to go to the gym and work out. And in the gym was where they were, and they were all sitting down. And they told me, like, this is your cargo. Like, it was a briefing. And they called me in there, and the guy blew a dog whistle, and they all stood up and totally came to attention, like like they were activated, and it was a dog whistle. And so things that Jason Rice explained to me, and we both described what they looked like, basically what the armor looked like, and he said that those suits were basically space uh, forces. So they were the suits that I described to him, they were not ground forces. They were forces meant for fighting like on the surface of the moon or in in space basically. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's what I know about them. I've also, uh, I want to say that a friend of mine, Dave, um, 
I interviewed on my Patreon channel and he owns a, a Bigfoot museum and he's learned from like 60,000 people a year come to his museum and that he hears it from all over the place. He said sometimes seven, eight people, 10 people a day will tell him different stories that have the same kind of details and they don't know each other. And he's got, he said, there's quite a bit of dogman, uh, the t exact dogman, quite a bit of the, of uh, sightings of them. And he said that what he noticed was that when they are on earth and they get sighted that they, um, you'd have to watch the show. But he said that it's, he said their behavior is as if they're reporting to somebody else that they're obeying a, a, a protocol because there are, there are people that said, look, it was standing right in front. It was standing three feet from me and it could have got me and it wanted to, but it couldn't like it would have got in trouble. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and, he even said sometimes the Bigfoots. He said the the big the Bigfoot uh, phenomenon. He said they don't they're not being seen in the woods. They're being seen in town, and they're in neighborhoods. So they're doing something else, and then they all of a sudden and nobody nobody says. His thing was he said nobody sees a deer and says it then it vanished into the woods. Nobody sees a, a deer or a moose or a bear and they go and then it vanished. Mm -hmm. But everybody describes a Bigfoot as it vanished. Mm -hmm, they say mm -hmm. all of a sudden it vanished mm -hmm. and he said the dogmen sightings are the same way but he said the bigfoots when they get seen by somebody they act disappointed like damn it like like they're going to get in trouble he said they have they have they show physically like shit okay. you know what i mean like a, yeah. like like they're going to get in trouble by somebody they're answering to somebody and he said the dogmen behave the same way mm, interesting interesting that's very interesting. Okay. Um, I also have, thank you, Free Range Brain, for the uh, super chat. He has a question too. What secret tech do you think there will be disclosures in the next four years? The Ark of the Covenant was a food replicator. I think the Ark of the Covenant was a power source that powered uh, high-tech stuff. Like I said, the, everything was about power output. I think it, it was a power source that could food rep replicate, but do other things too. Um, I, we're going to get medical tech is going to go quickly. And yeah. the, the pharmaceuticals were a big thing that we traded on our missions. We've traded with other species, even more advanced species, pharmaceuticals, because a lot of them can only be made by natural plants that can only be found on certain worlds. So we would go and explore worlds and catalog them. And then they would develop pharmaceuticals that, and then other even species that are more advanced. The universe is so vast that they, not everybody goes everywhere. And so if they could just find somebody that needed a pharmaceutical, even if they were a very advanced civilization and they don't know of this plant that's somewhere far away in another galaxy, they could manufacture a pharmaceutical and trade. And so that was a big deal um, with, with the series colony. In fact, the gymnasium, when I left, was converted into a pharmaceutical factory they, because they had found something and they were in a hurry to develop this, whatever it was, some medicine. So that they could trade with somebody that was more advanced technologically and they would get tech tech for it. So it's it's not about money, it's about tech. So we're gonna get medical tech. We're gonna get the surgery is gonna be very advanced very quick as soon as they as soon as they um, disclose. There have been other things. I don't know how much uh, of the anti-grav. I, I think once they let uh, artificial gravity out of the bag that it opens the door to most other super high-tech um, mm -hmm. things. So I don't know how they're gonna do that and uh, lock, keep it under locked. Once they tell us how to do artificial gravity, it's gonna open the door to building your own UFO. 
Uh, and then the way that other species, like the series colony had to lease power generators. So the free energy thing, I think is going to be very slow or um, they'll give us free energy, but it, it won't have a great output. Put it that okay. way. It, you know what I'm saying? Like they'll give us a free energy thing, but it'll, it'll be small okay, and yeah. they, it, it'll be locked. They, there are many different ways to do it. And in fact, the more advanced species like the Draco and other ones, they control that technology very tightly because that's a method of control. And so it's, it's literally the basis of their military might um, mm -hmm. between species in our sector of the, of the galaxy is whoever has the most power output on their spaceship can win in a combat in combat. So they guard that. So we're going to get, we're going to get free energy, but we're going to get a little bit of it. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to get medical technology. We're going to get, I imagine we'll get a lot of that. And then I don't know when, uh, if they're going to tell us about the uh, consciousness tech, which is really the real deal. Like, so there's a, there's a ceiling there's, you can build a machine or you can build a doohickey to do things, but there's a ceiling. There's only so many machines you can build. And then it's consciousness is the next level of technology. And that's when we're going to have to do, we're going to have to take a, a deep breath and a big gulp and everybody on the whole planet is going to do some self work because we are basically one consciousness. And we have to work on ourselves and become a higher consciousness to access that higher tech that other civilizations have. Well, okay, that that's interesting because from what I understand, our DNA is one of the highest techs available on this planet, our actual skin suits here. And that if we can actually operate extremely high levels of consciousness, what we're able to do in the skin suit is way more than what all those high tech energy like this these machines that you're talking about are capable that's of. absolutely right so i okay it's the same way so wow we're okay so here we go we're going to take the gloves off yeah right? let's do it Nicole? <laughs> let's go. so some like somebody that's um i i honestly feel somebody that's very negative and down on the like like i i have children and i don't allow them to speak badly of themselves or each other like i allow my kids to do a lot of things that most parents don't. I give my kids free. I, I, I expect, I treat them almost like they're adults because I don't want them to be lost when they enter the adult world. Mm -hmm. But I do not allow them to come down on themselves because I feel that if you do that, it enters into your consciousness. And it's not just once or twice, but if it's repetitive for years, it'll actually affect your health. Like, you know what I'm saying? Your health, your health. If you believe that you're healthy, you'll be healthy. And that's how, like you said, your DNA is affected by your consciousness, which is, you know what I'm saying? Basically <clears throat> running it, you know, you're, you're accessing your consciousness is not in this dimension. Your body is, is a receiving your consciousness. And so the things that you, you believe are uh, work with, like you said, in conjunction with your DNA. And so we're going to have to, we're going to have to clean it up. Some people have, some people have a, 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 a better mindset, a more healthy mindset. And it shows. You know what I mean? Like it's a key to beauty a, mm -hmm. as well. Um, you know what I mean? Just keeping keeping your thoughts clear because your body follows suit slowly. You know what I mean? Not over, You can't just make yourself grow an arm, but you can make yourself over time be unhealthy yeah. or healthy. Mm -hmm. And and well, the, the, I've, I've literally experienced healing my physical body back to health uh, in several time in several areas, just through energetic healing, going into the past, 
facing some of the traumas, um, healing that energetically, emotionally freeing the emotions out of my field, all of that. It's so powerful. And through doing so, um, intuition has spiked. And so um, now I have these new, I have new access to abilities that I didn't have before. And so this just kind of speaks to the testament of how important it is for us to go in and do our healing and why we're constantly being distracted out of that with like media and news and all of that. And I always tell everyone on my channel, like, just go in and do your work like heal, just heal whatever you can find, face the darkness, go into the shadows, reveal what needs to be revealed because that turns on your, that activates your DNA, that activates the gifts that allow your own technology to be utilized to a much higher potential than what we're using right now. That's awesome to say that. And you know what? These are things also, when when you have a trauma, it's, trust me, I know, when you have a trauma, or, and you heal it like these are things that you take with you you know like the meat suit is going to come and go you know you're going to die and your suit is going to it's going to lose its usefulness and you're going to find another one you're just going to go get another one right if you need to if that's what you need to do but the the healing of those traumas getting over that self you take it with you you know what i'm saying like suicide is really a way out uh, and I've had talks with people that were suicidal. And I said, look, it's not a way out, man. You're just going to wake up in another life and you're going to have the same problem until you mm -hmm. solve it. And sorry, uh, you know what I mean? And you deserve it to, to live. But suicide isn't a way out. And But the healing you take with you, this is a rich, this is something, it's a form of riches that you can take with you. You can't take it with you. But if you can heal that problem to where, you know what I'm saying, that habit or whatever it is, like you said, like do that work. That's that and you solved it and you actually get to take that with you. Yeah, it's so important. It's so important. And, and also because I know so many people out there when they listen to, uh, you know, all, all of those of us who maybe have channels or are speaking and, and are intuitives and they want to access that they want they want those gifts to turn on the 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 quickest route is the most painful one, the scariest one, which is going straight into that dark place that all of us by human nature avoid. Mm -hmm. But that's the that's the fastest way. It's how you activate it. And when you can open your uh, okay, when you mm -hmm. can activate your heart and you can start expressing it in the most loving, unconditional way, when you have that heart activation because you've healed so much and you're really starting to understand the power of love in a way that I don't think a lot of our humanity even understands the power of love. I only just a couple of nights ago started to access this part, this new part of my heart that I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know it was, I was able to feel this, like, you know, this love for, for just me, humanity, other people. It like turns on so much, so many other abilities. It's so amazing. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think that in the beginning, when I got my memories back during that time, that period of time, 2015, I think that it was also a time that I got over a lot of things too. And maybe that also allowed it to happen. Mm. You know what I mean? I think that mm -hmm. there was several, several things, but also after that, it was very healing to be able to know why I had problems. You know what I'm saying? Like I had claustrophobia. Like I didn't like being in tight spaces. I never knew why. When I got my memories back of why, you know what I mean? What I was afraid of in the tight spaces, it went away and I, you know what I mean? And I began to systematically go through things that I had problems that I had 
and it cleared a lot of that stuff up. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and I think it opened the door to new things. Uh, you, I just think it's a healthy thing, you know, to, but you have to actually embrace what had the trauma. You actually dwell on it and, and, and think, and I, and I had to ask myself some hard questions like, you know, am I the asshole here? Kind of thing, you know, in many situations I had to, Yeah. you have to sit and do that. You have to say, well, maybe I'm not right. Maybe, you know, and believe me in my, in my uh, story, Many times I have to ask myself, is this, is this right? I'm going in public and saying this stuff. Am I, am I right here? And I, I constantly reprove it to myself, you know, like I just, just the places and everything. So, you know, it's kind of along the same, same lines. I mean, everybody's got a different challenge, different hurdle to jump over. Of course. But, But, um, you know, it's personal responsibility, personal responsibility for self and um, always checking in always checking in. So before we end the show, um, cause we're getting up to two hours. Wow. I didn't think we we're going to go this long, but I, this has been awesome. It flew by. Um, mm-hmm, yeah. You know, before let's just end the show with what intuitive senses, feelings do you get about where everything's headed given, you know, what we're seeing with the, um, election and everything like what, where do you, where do you see everything going for humanity there for a while? There for a while during the election process, running up to the election, I really had some doom and gloom feelings and uh, very vested in it. But now that I see kind of like how the possibilities are going to work out and, uh, you know, as always, you know, we are individuals. So if you're not part of a big giant organization, worrying about how another giant organization works doesn't mean anything to us as the individual. You just have to do your own, play your own position as best you can. So as far as that's concerned, but I had a lot of doom and gloom feelings about that, like something bad was, but now that I've seen how people have reacted and how things have changed, I really have a, a, like I said, well, like we talked about earlier, like how the kids are going to wake up, how the media, the mind control stuff is going to change. And uh, I just think that, I think nothing's going to stop disclosure and us kind of evolving to the next level of being aware that we have neighbors, an infinite number of neighbors that are, that are awesome that we're going to meet. We're going to join a galactic society and an intergalactic society. And we're going to meet, we're going to make friends and we're going to make enemies and we're going to learn a lot. And I, so that's, I think that no matter who's in charge, it's going to happen. It's too late. The cat's out of the bag. And I, I really think that this is an exciting time to be alive. I think this is probably the most exciting time to be alive in any species history is right when they're going to get disclosure, you know, yeah. right, right when they're going to get that. So I think we're close. I, and, I think so too. And you know what I mean? Just keeping a positive outlook on it. I, mm-hmm. I also think that there's been some other things that have happened that have been, um, you know, like on top of the election, and and those mechanisms that are working i think there are some really high level things going on as well like you know a lot everybody's been not sleeping not dreaming mm-hmm. not doing this or that like things have changed and i think that there's on a spiritual level uh, you know what i mean like like an oversoul level of all of us i think there are some major changes going on and i i feel very positive about them so far i think that in the last few weeks you know what I mean? There was a scary time. And then I think that a lot of it's been resolved and there's some good positive things coming. So, yeah. 
I think yeah. we're going to get a big change, big changes, and we need to embrace it. We need to embrace some changes that are going to happen. Yeah. And I think it's going to be a little uncomfortable for all of us. I, I think it's important for everyone to not choose to sit in the seat that you're just waiting for everything that you think is right to be proven right. Uh, mm. To know that I think disclosure is going to be uncomfortable for all of us in ways that um, we just have to be prepared for that. It's it's just it's nice to kind of maybe check the ego a little bit and know that if everyone's awakening or going through some sort of awakening process, that includes us, you know? So, um, yeah, it's really great. I I think, I think right now mankind is on that scary climb on the roller coaster, the slow, scary climb that everybody's scary. And we're going to go over that top and it's actually going to be a really fun ride as it goes. So I think that's just where we're at. And well, I love roller coasters. So thank you for having me, everybody. Thanks for the questions. Thanks for watching. Um, if, if you have anything, uh, I'm on TonyRedRigs.com, and uh, I really appreciate being here and having having a minute with you. It's been a fun time. Well, it's been so great to have you on. Guys, all of the information is in the description below. Uh, if you'd like to contact Tony, go to his website, check out his course, please do. And of course, when your book is ready to come out, we'll have you back on. It's always a pleasure to have you on the show, Tony. I really love your energy and your authenticity and uh, I learned a lot and it was just really cool. This this is a great this is a great show. Thank you so much. Thanks thank for you having to, me. Yeah, thank you to all of you guys in the live chat. Guys, we'll be back with you. Um, we'll be back with you next week. I've got David Rodriguez coming on next week. Uh, so I'd love to see you there. Guys, have a great night and we'll be back with you soon. Thanks for listening and being such a supportive audience. All video episodes can now be found on my personal YouTube channel, Nicole Frolic. If you would like to further support the show, you can visit my merchandise shop or send any donations to the PayPal link in the description below. Remember, a mind is like a parachute. Unless it's open, it's useless. So keep joining me each week as I continue to expand the mind and explore life beyond this reality.